Welcome to Out of Curiosity, our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. And uh, this is Garland, and I'm Nick. And for today, we're going to talk about the issue of the origin of the universe. Just a a small little little nuanced question we're going to deal with. So the way a lot of people encounter this is we have a, a story of where the world came from. Um, that we understand the Bible to be teaching. Mm-hmm. And then we have a story that we think science tells us. Mm-hmm. Um, we think the geological, um, physical universe seems to tell. And they seem to be in contradiction. Mm-hmm. They seem to be telling very different stories. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, do we need to, because we want things to cohere in our minds, mm-hmm. do we need to reread the Bible to line up with science and find a, a a better, we might say, reading of the Bible to line up with science, or do we need to reread the science to line up with the story the Bible tells? Mm-hmm. And where, what do we do with that tension? So, what is a tension? Because every every culture has a story of how the universe came to be, or how humans right. came to be, or that explains our existence. The Bible says that it's true. Yeah, it, it says this is not just a story or a mythology. This is true history. Right, uh, is how the narrative of the first part of our scripture. The word history reads. is big. Yeah, history, big. not not mythology, but history. And so, um, we we have to come to grips with. Uh, we may face tension. Yep. I think as as we walk through this podcast, and I think this is one of the most fun things to discuss. So I hope this is this is a fun one. But when I was going through uh, college. So I went, to a, I went to a public high school and then a secular state university here yep. in the South. And um, as I was walking through those years and being bombarded with geology class, biological mm-hmm. anthropology class, uh, these different classes that, that basically were, were building the case mm-hmm. for uh, the, 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 we may say the scientific naturalistic explanation of the origins of the universe, uh, it caused a great amount of fear and doubt for me. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really difficult for me to navigate those years. It caused, uh, it, it, it really caused for me a great amount of, of frustration and doubt with the Lord. And so if, if anyone listening to this has had that similar experience, and I hope this is helpful. The mm-hmm. reason it did, I think so much for me, was I thought there was one view, mm-hmm. one way to read the, the, the biblical account, our story, and that view essentially was that the, the universe, the earth, was about maybe 6,000 years old, 10,000 right. years old, maybe at most, you know, uh, a few tens of thousands of years mm-hmm. old. Very, very young, in other words. And everything from PhD professors that I was being told was the earth is billions of years old. Our universe is right. billions of years old. In fact, this may be one universe of many billions of universes, and we don't even right. know where this thing begins. And so yeah. it, uh, it caused sleepless nights for me. It caused mm. just rack with doubt and fear. Yeah. And uh, faith. the Lord was amazingly faithful. And mm. uh, hopefully what we can do here is work our way through the ways of understanding how to interpret Genesis 1 and 2, and different views, at least in the Western culture, of how our universe got here. And we're going to leave it in, in the people listening to kind of begin this process of wrestling. I don't, I don't think this will be conclusive. Yeah. I think this is an introductory s- step for someone that found themselves where I wa- finds themselves now where I was uh, it, kind of back in college. I still wrestle with it to this day. I'm so glad you told your story. And before we launch into the content, I just want to put my finger on something you said that seems to be what I hear the thing I hear voiced so much around this topic, you use the word fear. Mm-hmm. That for someone who wants to follow Jesus and believe the scriptures, looking the scientific story, the scientific data brings 
fear. Fear. What's behind that fear? It was a fear that uh, if this isn't true in Genesis 1 and 2, then how could I believe what Matthew or Luke right. or John or Paul yeah. says? And if I can't trust God in Genesis, I can't trust God in Romans 8. Yeah. And if I can't trust God in Romans 8, I can't trust God in, in the New Testament, then how can I trust God at all? Yeah. And uh, it, it was a crisis point, really, for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I really, really wrestled and struggled uh, yeah. with this particular topic, and I know lots of people do. And uh, as I'm now raising kids, uh, I find it curious, even on uh, Sesame Street and the yeah. shows like that, our culture has, ad- has adopted the naturalistic old earth view. And mm-hmm. so as Christians, we're going to have to figure out what it looks like to make sense of this book yeah. and, uh, and begin the process of diving deep and looking at it. So hopefully this will be helpful to, uh, to be, begin to do that. Are they still making Sesame Street? I think so. Okay, I think cool. Big Bird's I off. Big Bird's gone. Yeah. The okay, cool. So, um, so I think that's important to acknowledge that we feel this fear. Mm-hmm. The response to the fear could be to run from the question, mm-hmm. just avoid it. Mm-hmm. And, and we're challenging people, actually, the fear is the time to lean in. Absolutely. Lean in and dig yeah. in, and yeah. in. So let's let's dig in. Let's do it. So you, you made the comment that um, that you had thought there was only one way to read the scriptural story, mm-hmm. this six thousand year old Earth, mm-hmm. and that clearly is a little different than the mm-hmm. billions of years. So there's more than one way. Tell us about them. Well, let's we'll work our way through the views, and like we said, this one will be a little bit longer. Okay. Uh, uh, but we'll work our way through these different views. Uh, the first two views, at least in our Western culture, right. um, we'll look at. We may say these are ones, these are views of the origin of the universe that a Christian would have a hard time affirming. I would say that a Christian could not affirm these and square these with our view of the God that is presented in the Scripture. The okay. first is what we may call uh, our culture's scientific predominant view. Okay? okay, Scientifically, this is the predominant view. I don't think it's actually the predominant view. And it's, it's basically an atheistic, naturalistic view of the origin of the universe. Atheistic meaning? No God. So there natu- is no God in the no equation. God. Naturalistic meaning? There is no supernatural explanation. It's only natural causes, natural forces. So, and so no supernatural being or force coming in from the outside and imposing itself on the natural order of things. The universe that we see that's all there is. Mm-hmm. There's nothing behind. Nothing behind above, it. Around, whatever. Around, yes. However, whatever spatial metaphor right. you want to roll. There's only in. a naturalistic explanation okay. for okay, so the origin. Okay. So everything about the origin of the universe can be explained with what is. It's it's the view that that we, I would say, most of us growing up uh, in the 21st century now, it's the view that we are we are surrounded with. It's the air that we breathe in our culture. Uh, and so, it, obviously, that can't square with Scripture. There, there is no supernatural explanation. There right. is no supernatural being. The Bible is beginning with the first and foremost presupposition and assumption that there is a God. Yes. And so, so and this God is the agent of creation. Okay. And so, it's the very first verse in our Bible. Uh, we're going to see, as John begins his gospel, he's going to start in the exact same way in the beginning. Uh, was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things came to be through him. Yep. And so, uh, obviously, a Christian... So there's no holding those two together. Can't affirm that one. That, that, that one is expressly articulating no God yep. in the okay. equation. In that view, the earth is... Our universe that we exist in, at least, is the number right now, as we speak in 2019, is about 13.5 billion years. Okay, That's the, the number they're going with. And this might be a universe of multiple universes. This might be the black hole of other universes. There could be multiple universes. This could be a result of another universe before. We have no 
real concept of what started behind the Big Bang and then all the naturalistic explanations okay. from there. So that's, I think most people are familiar with this one. Okay, and the second one that you say is at least very hard, would be very hard for a Christian to... I actually think this view, so the first one we might call naturalism, okay. the naturalistic understanding. The second one, what I'm going to call is, is deism. Okay. So deism is the view, take the first view, but put God at the beginning out there. The okay. way to think of it is God pushed this tiny snowball down the hill and that snowball has begun to gather steam and be become the universe as we know it now. Okay. But there was an initial push yep. and that initial push was a supernatural being. Yep. In this view, God does not involve himself in the universe at all. He is completely transcendent outside of the universe, except for he started the process. Yep. And so I think... Most people I talk to, and uh, especially skeptical people in our world now, they're not atheistic. Yep. They think there's a force or a God or a being or something out there, and it's helpful because this being can be used as the explanation of what was there in the first place. How did the Big Bang arise in the first place? The deist is going to simply say, well, God, there was some being or force or idea or something out there, but he doesn't involve himself in the process from there. He set up natural order, natural law, gave it a push, and the rest of the way has been working naturally. And so... So not only is he not involved in the material universe, he's also probably not involved ethically. He's not going to have anything to say about the way you live your life. He's just way back there, and he's not involved in our world at all, which is not going to work at all with a story where God becomes human. Absolutely. And lives yeah. and walks among God, us. God leads the Israelites by fire. God yeah. is the one who created specifically Adam yeah. and Eve. So that's yeah. obviously not going to work. So the first two views, we may put a line under them and say, to affirm that is decidedly not Christian. Yeah. Fair? Fair. Okay. Fair. So now, people hold them, but not people hold but, them, but they're but that, not That, that would be views. difficult for a Christian yeah. to hold. In fact, I would say it'd be impossible. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Now we move below that line. And I would say, these will be views that Christians affirm and can make sense of Genesis 1 and 2. Okay. Okay. And so we'll be clear on our language here. Uh, if a Christian came to me and affirmed one of these, uh, it may not be the view maybe that I would hold, but you can make sense of Scripture and make sense of science with these particular views as we'll go forward. So before we go any further, you've already made three really important categories to distinguish mm -hmm. a view that is unchristian. Correct. And then a, a group of views that can be Christian and align with Scripture. And then the third would be what you might actually hold. So you can acknowledge another believer could have a very different view than you within this box. Yes. And, and, that's, and that you're, you're comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with that. Okay. Now, what we hope that this podcast and, and, and other ones like it will do is all of us begin in ignorance on any particular topic. Mm -hmm. uh, all of us begin in ignorance on what the Bible has to say about any topic. Sure. We begin in ignorance on anything in our life when we're, right. when we're children. What we hope to do is move out of ignorance to form biblical opinions about uh -huh. particular topics. What opinions do we think the Bible might be saying? Yeah. And then we want to form biblical convictions. Yes. And there are times when my conviction on how to interpret a particular scripture may be different than yours. Sure. Uh, as Christians, we can hold different convictions, different opinions. Right. And uh, that's a helpful grid uh, to, yep. uh, to think through. And so what we hope people can do is form biblical conviction mm -hmm. and then hold that loosely where we're allowed to hold that, hold that loosely. We had a person, uh, I heard a pastor one time uh, say, if you do not hold to 
my view of creation, his view is the young earth view, yeah. then you are not a Christian and you are not saved. Yikes. And I would say that would be an inappropriate position. Uh, and so we're, we would consider the, the view of the origin of the universe something that Christians can differ on uh, and still walk in fellowship together. Within limits. Within limits. Differing yeah. on whether there's a God who created. Obviously. That's yeah. out Those of the first book. two views, once that's, get, that's, one, that's a whole other issue. Once, yeah. you get, once you agree that in the beginning God created, mm-hmm. then... There's a lot. There we, can, we, can, a lot of, we can have some disagreement here. And so cool. we'll, nav- we'll, we'll walk through some of these views. The first view, uh, we'll call this, instead of deism, mm-hmm. we're going to call it theistic evolution. Okay. Uh, it, it, it may not be uh, the best term. Here's the best way to think of this one. If deism is a God who pushed the ball down the hill and has stayed out of it, he's transcendent but not involved. The, the words are transcendent but not imminent with people. Okay. So evolution is following a random path. It's a random set of naturalistic causes, and we'll see how it turns out. How and that, we're, re- we're rejecting that. We're rejecting that. Okay. This would be theistic evolution. It's a God who created the universe and then has involved himself to see and produce the effects that he wants in and throughout the process. Okay. And so... Let's assume, for the sake of argument, assume that evolution is true. Mm -hmm. If if science could prove the validity of evolution, hook, line, and sinker, absolutely black and white, then the person holding this view would say, fine, that that has no bearing for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, God has created the universe, and then he he designed and wired evolution throughout it. He involved himself in the process and specifically fashioned humanity, Adam and Eve, to uh, all the process before that to accomplish his purposes. So you're so in theistic evolution, you can still hold a historical Adam and Eve. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so, what we're going to do as we look at Genesis one and two, the theistic theistic evolution view will fit into a couple of these other views we're going to look at in just a minute. Okay. Most of the time, to understand Genesis one and two, we're going to have to adjust the genre of what we're reading to make that fit. And here's how it would go: something like this: when you read Genesis chapter one, especially, you see repetition. Uh-huh. You see what looks like, uh, what looks like uh, poetic meter. You okay. see what looks like uh, repeated, then God said, and then the concluding statement about it was this day. Then God said mm-hmm. it was this day. Then God mm-hmm. did this. It was this day. In light of that, some interpreters would say that what we have in Genesis chapter 1 is a poem or a psalm or a song of some sort. And when you read poetry or a song, you expect to see uh, literal words being used with figure, in a figurative way. And right. so uh, a lot of the adherents to this view and some of the other views we're going to look at would read Genesis 1 especially that particular way. Okay. Uh, and so if that, if that clarifies. So, so the seven days are a literary device yes. to lay out what all God made. God made all of this. Moses isn't concerned with how God made it, just that God made it. Okay. Uh, and he's, he's using poetry. He's using uh, a particular meter of how, he's, of how he's writing it to kind of make this point in a, in a grand opening song or hymn. So we can, we can hold this view and believe wholeheartedly in the authority and truthfulness of Scripture when read the way Moses would have meant it to be read. When we, if, we understand his intention, if we understand his intention that way, we're not mm-hmm. throwing the Bible out. The adherents of this view would, yes, that would, be would absolutely argument. affirm okay. that statement. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, Fair? Feel good about it? Fair, yep, yep, yep. Uh, the, the next view is what's often called the day-age theory okay. or progressive creation. Uh, essentially, it's this. Take Genesis chapter 1. 
You've got seven days, mm -hmm. uh, six days seemingly of creation and one day of rest. Uh, the, the, the people who hold this view are going to take the word day. It's the Hebrew word yom. Now, this word means day, uh, but it, depending on the place of where it's used, it could mean literally a 24-hour period. It could mean uh, a season. It could mean several years. Um, it, it Similar to the, the way like somebody might say, back in my day, we yeah, did such and such. Back in my day. Exactly. They don't literally mean Thursday, April 24th Correct. of 1977. Correct. They mean... Back in my day, that back know, in that, my time that period, that season of was, time when I yeah. was, and now you don't even really know how long they be. So Hebrew can do the same thing. Hebrew can do the same thing with okay. this word, okay. and in light of that, um, they're going to read each successive day, days one through six, as back in my day, as generations or eras or ages in the first period of time. In the first God period of time, the first era of time. So it's the day age in the first age of time, and so. Take the story of Genesis 1 to 6 and replace the word in your mind, day, with geological age. Okay. And then read it again. Okay. And that's essentially what this view is going to do. How long each age is is just as unknown as when you say, back in my day. Uh, so, But they still see a sequence. They still see a sequence. They still say what happened on day one happened mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. what we're told happened on day Correct. two. They're just not saying it's 24-hour days. And many who hold this view, they see what looks like a lot of um, agreement with scientific theory and with what we see in those days as interpreted as ages or eras. Life started in water. Life started in before water. Before you have separate. land mammals. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and so that's how this view is going to make sense of Genesis chapter 1. And, and for some, you can actually place theistic evolution within, within this the day view. age view. You can put it in the day okay. age view. So day 6 is an era where God was evolving animals, or it could be specific creation of animals. Uh, you Those are two way. variations two on variations day, of day evolution age. or yes. God spe specifically or specially creating in each yes. era. Okay, both work. Okay. Feel good about that one? Feel good about that okay. one. Okay. Uh, the next one is often called historical creation. Okay. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting view that I think most people are least familiar. The, the best way, I think, to make sense of it is this. If you've watched a Star Wars movie. I have. There they're wonderful. Yep. Uh, so if you watch any Star Wars movie, they all begin the same way. The blue letters show up on the screen. It fades in a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, dot, dot, dot. Right. So you've got this grand universe, mm -hmm. universal scope, universal setting. That brings us into the universe. Brings you into that universe. It brings you into the story. And then it fades out. And what it's going to do is after it goes to the yellow text, yep. going across the screen diagonally, it will then zero you in on a particular moon or a particular ship even yeah, yeah. oftentimes it goes down to a particular person walking in that ship right if you take that same strategy and apply it to genesis chapter one uh, that's essentially what historical creationists think moses is doing okay. in the beginning god made the heavens and the earth that's okay. a hebrew way of saying god made everything okay your scope is just like the scope of long the blue letters ago. in long time ago far, in a galaxy far, far away. So we've set ourselves in the universe. There's a universe that God created. God made it all. Okay. God made it all. And now what Moses wants to do is draw your attention to a particular place. Okay. Take your, your eyes from the whole of the universe down to a particular ship. And in this case, it's a particular land. Okay. And as you read everything that follows in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Moses is... is trying to articulate that God is no longer creating the universe out of nothing. Now, God is fashioning and wiring a particular land, in this case, the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. for 
habitation of his people, his covenant people. Okay. And so it's a, uh, it's a view I think people are least familiar with, but that's the way that that view is going to be interpreted. God made everything, and then in six literal days, God fashioned Eden for habitation of his people. So on this view, in chapter 2, where we're told about the garden God put Adam in, mm-hmm. The creation in chapter 1 is talking about that garden. Talking about that Seeing garden. Seeing chapter 1 and chapter 2 describing the same place. Mm-hmm. And the questions we usually think about as far as origin, where did this species come from, that's all contained in that one saying in verse 1. Verse 1, yes. And it's not really commenting much on how that happened. It's just taken for God did it. Correct. At some time in the distant past. It's the assumption that Moses is not a scientific biologist or geologist as he's writing. He's a theologian and a pastor. What he wants to get across is God made it all. Yes. Now... Covenant people of Israel. Let me yes. tell you how God made a covenant land uh-huh. for his covenant people. So, uh, so there, it, this is a people who've been living in another place that's not their home, Egypt. And Moses is telling them about their home. Correct. The place that yeah. God is going to take them back to. God fashioned this for covenant relationship, and that's where we're headed to. Okay. And as a pastor theologian, it may be a way to make sense of what Moses is doing. Got it. Feel good about that one? Feel good about that one. Uh, the, the next one is... <laughs> Fascinating, in my opinion, and it's, it's what I refer to as the polemic view. Okay. Now, a polemic is a, is a word that just means argument, argument against, and so I may just call it, hey, for the sake of argument view. Okay. Uh, and here's, here's the way to think of this view. Moses is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing as a, in his place in history. Mm-hmm. And as such, he wants to record for them our history as a people and record for them how God made everything. How do we get here? Yep. And he begins, and this is why it's for the sake of argument. Yep. This view would be saying Moses adopted, for the sake of argument, mm-hmm. the worldview that he and his people lived in at the time. In Egypt. In Egypt. Okay. If you look at the Egyptian creation story. Yep. And the Hebrew, which we have, which we, we can, have now found, and we can go look at it and put, kind of put the different versions together and begin to assess it. If you look at it, and then you line up the Genesis account, uh-huh. it's weirdly similar. Okay. In some very unusual ways, like there is light before the sun and stars are created. Okay. And in the, same, in the same way, both those things exist. Which is and not something a modern mind would ever think to say. would never say that. Well, the light comes from a, a luminary of some kind, a star right. or something. Um, and in, in, in this particular view, Moses, for the sake of argument, assumes the worldview that all the Israelites would have been breathing this worldview of Egypt. Okay. He assumes for the sake of argument, hey, let's assume that's true. Mm-hmm. Then he's going to point out all these places of distinction to show who their Hebrew God is, who the God of the Bible is. Right. So whereas in Egypt, there's a bunch of different gods warring for power, mm-hmm. he's going to say, no, there's actually one God. Yeah. And that God is supreme. In Egypt, creation is in a reincarnation day to night to rebirth cycle. No, God is in a linear progression. He's making things with his purposes in mind. Got it. Uh, humanity is is basically created as a servant to the gods, to, to, to feed the gods and basically to do their work uh-huh. in the Egyptian narrative. Moses is going to say, no, 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 no. That's not, I assume for the sake of argument, but that's true. But let me show you where our God is different. He made people in his image, yeah. something unique and dignified about a man and a woman. Right. And so it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a strange view to have to wrap your mind around. This view would not be looking for literal counterpoints in every place Yes. in Genesis 1 and 2. Is it six days of creation with the seventh day of rest? 
maybe maybe not. Maybe That's not. not the point. It's not the point. So it would be as if I mean this is a silly example, but it was as if like the the Cinderella story were our favorite story, right? And somebody said, "Hey, let me retell the Cinderella story," mm-hmm. and they went through and showed how actually what we need more than a Prince Charming is Jesus or something like that. Yes. You're not actually saying the, his, the Cinderella story is how it happened. Right. You're using the Cinderella story to teach who Jesus is in our life. Correct. Yes. Moses is using the Egyptian creation myth uh-huh. and flipping it on its head exactly. to introduce them to exactly. Yahweh. Exactly. And it's not necessarily affirming the literal order of those six mm-hmm. days. He's mm-hmm. using that structure to exactly. teach about God. That's a great analogy. Okay. That's a great analogy. Okay. We feel good on that one. Feel good on that one. Lastly, is the view that I think <laughs> most Christians, especially growing up in the South, feel like they need to hold. Yep. And it's, it's traditionally called the young earth view. Right. This view is the view that it's six literal days uh-huh. of creation and a seventh day of God resting, that those seven days begin all of the universe's existence, and therefore the universe is very, very young. Uh, the 6,000 years, um, we don't have to go into the history of this, basically a medieval monk tried to do some dating. Right. He took the genealogies in the Old Testament, okay. and he just subtracted each time an age is given in the Old Testament, and he mm-hmm. came to the number of 5,000, at this point, 5,998 years, our universe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think the genealogies have gaps in them, so. Whether it's 6,000 years, 10,000 years, 100,000 years, regardless, the earth is very young. Mm -hmm. God made the universe in seven literal days, and those seven literal days were very young, uh, or very recent. And there's no no distance in time between when uh, when God created and when we see human civilization. Correct. As we we now understand it historically. Mm -hmm. So on day six, you had dinosaurs made, and on day six, you also had humans made. Yep. All that was in one 24-hour period. So there's one week between the creation of the universe and the creation the of humanity. The very beginning of the universe and humanity is six days. Got uh, it. And so uh, this particular view is what I think most Christians assume uh-huh. to be assume, true. Assume the Bible teaches. Assume that the Bible teaches. Yeah. And so it's called the young earth view. Okay. Okay. Fair? Feel good about that one? Feel good about that one, yeah. So, <laughs> holy smokes. What, what do we you do with all of this? <laughs> I yeah. mean, because... Uh, um, I think the first question I would ask that I want you to answer really concretely and firmly is which one's right? <laughs> which one does the Bible teach? Well, obviously the one that I hold yes. is the one that's right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So how, how, do we sort, how do we sort that out? Like, what do, what do we do with all these different views? And then I think alongside that, how much should the scientific, how should scientific discoveries influence how we read our Bibles? Mm-hmm. Those are great questions. I, I think, obviously, uh, I think saying which one is right yep. is a is a difficult way to say. I would say, which view do, which view reflects mm-hmm. what God intended to communicate to us. Right. Uh, and so, I would I would wholeheartedly affirm this is a difficulty as we look at the Scripture and compare that with what yeah. we see the scientific world uh, communicating to us. Yes. And so, um, when we when we try to answer the question which way is right, yep. um, I, what what I hope to have offered here is that. Christians can see it differently. Uh-huh. They can hold different views. And that doesn't mean we can't lock arms together. Right. I, I have a view that I think makes the most sense of what Moses is trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you do sure. as well. Yeah. What I hope people do is not, I hope they don't run from these questions. Yeah. I hope they don't, in their fear, uh, avoid these particular questions, but lean in and press in to them and begin to, to look at it and discover it for themselves. And I hope that we would then be charitable yeah. if somebody were to differ uh, from us. And so uh, 
I, which one's right? That, I, who, who's to say at this point? And what, what I think is helpful if you're thinking about, you know, going back to that question of fear mm-hmm. at the beginning of what we were talking about. If, if my traditional six literal day, the earth is only 6,000 years old roughly, view, if that's wrong, then I can't believe in Jesus on a cross and resurrected. Right. right. We've removed that pressure a little bit. Hopefully. Hopefully. And said, um, we're not necessarily negating the six literal day view, but I think, and one thing we haven't talked about, we've said, we've said on the biblical side, there's a couple different ways to read the data, but also on the scientific side, mm-hmm. um, it, just like maybe we are at times overly confident in our six literal day view, it's possible that the scientific community is overly confident that they found mm-hmm. the solution. Mm-hmm. And if we have a little bit of a historical awareness, we know the right. scientific consensus right. changes pretty regularly. Pretty regularly. And so we've got a you know, multiple thousand year old biblical narrative. Mm-hmm. We've got a fairly recent scientific view of the universe. Right. Um, and so what I hear you kind of leading us to is a little bit of holding both loosely. Correct. That, that the scientific view is not settled. Mm-hmm. And our interpretation of Genesis 1 and 2 is not settled. Mm-hmm. Therefore, how, how do we live? We want, we, want, we want things to be settled. Right. We want to know. We need it. We need, we need it, it to, to be, be settled, settled yeah. and we need them to cohere, to, right. to have coherence between them. Mm-hmm. How do we live with new scientific discoveries every day mm-hmm. and questions about how to read Genesis 1 and 2? How do we live faithfully as a Christian engaging in our communities and culture mm-hmm. with those that, that table set for us? I'd say first and foremost, uh, enjoy the study. Enjoy yeah. the learning of what the scripture is trying to communicate to us. Uh, I, I hope it's been, uh, been, been proven in this or shown in this. It's really fun to get to dive into the scripture and something that shouldn't with these hard questions and not lead us to run. And yes. so first and foremost, I want to start with the Bible. I want to yeah. begin to try to understand. And if I come to a young earth conclusion, then so be it. That, that may be the conclusion I come to when I read this. And if I investigate and ask good questions and read and study and think about it and come to a young earth position, I, would, I want to start there. Yes. Um, the, then as I look at, at scientific theory and things that come out, Oftentimes what science has illuminated for us, as fearful as it may be, mm-hmm. when we first hear it, mm-hmm. sometimes on, upon reflection, it actually, it actually amazes us with what God has made. Yeah. Uh, we are beginning as Christians with the assumption that God created the universe. Yeah. We believe that this is not a random accident, but mm-hmm. that God has made this universe for His glory and for our joy. And oftentimes the things that science discovers, when we, when we can it really begin to look at it and assess it, it actually is really, really telling and cool about how amazingly creative our God is. It right. wasn't that long ago that we thought that the cell was the smallest part of the body. Mm-hmm. And now we know so much more about it. And actually, the more we've learned about what's going on inside the cell, the more, the more many scientists think it points to a creator who wired all that. Yeah. And so let's not dismiss science as, well, they're obviously wrong and they have an agenda when, uh, when oftentimes they don't. They're just, trying to take, they're just trying to do the best job that they can do. And oftentimes, it really illuminates the bigness of our God. Uh, well, what would you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think if I think our central faith conviction is that in the beginning God created, mm-hmm. and that Christ is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Mm-hmm. So what science discovers is telling us more about the work of Christ, mm-hmm. and so we can be thrilled with that. 
Um, and, and yeah, as you said, I think that we can, we can enjoy the discovery mm-hmm. and be okay with not being able to answer all the questions. And uh, as one of my favorite profs said, he said, faith is not believing without evidence. Mm-hmm. It's believing without all the evidence. Right. So our faith conviction is that when we know all the data, it will all perfectly make right. sense. And faith is knowing that we don't have all the data. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the current scientific data lines up with the Genesis account. By faith, I believe it will. Mm -hmm. And I might have to be comfortable with some gaps in my knowledge. And actually, I will have to be comfortable. You have to get comfortable. Yeah. I'm gonna have you to will get, be comfortable. You have I to get comfortable. Will get comfortable. <laughs> and that I can live in a, in a sweet place of, I believe that God created and that all truth comes from him. Mm-hmm. And this scientific data is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And for my faith to operate, I don't have to bow the knee to a kind of demand for certainty that says I have right. to answer all those that's questions. That's really, really good. Yeah, so, that's and, really, really good. And that can leave us in a place of enjoying God, of awe, and of intellectual curiosity, mm-hmm. constantly learning. Yeah, that's great. So. The, we don't, I know we don't have time for this, but the fascinating thing for me is when I look at the way that the material refashioning of the universe will be in the new heavens and the new yeah. earth, I think we get to... I think we get to explore this question more and see how God did it all the more, and that's going to be really awesome. Uh, so I, to your point, the glory of God is in this universe, and I think the more we discover, the more it should draw our attention to worship and not to fear or frustration. And so if we can come to that balance that, of that tension and allow ourselves to let it lead to worship and not to frustration or fear, uh, I think that we'll be we'll be better evangelists out in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we'll be able to walk in culture as things are discovered and things are told to us with charity, with understanding, and also with with worship to our God. So, Well, this has been thrilling. It leads me to greater thrilling. worship. Thrilling, I think it's uh, thrilling. thrilling. Yeah, I think it is <laughs> thrilling. So uh, I hope this has help, been helpful for, for people listening. Uh, thanks for, for tuning in to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discuss how Christians can understand the creation of the universe. We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in scripture at Genesis chapters 1 and 2. We also recommend the books Genesis Unbound by John Salehammer, The Lost World of Genesis 1 by John Walton, In the Beginning We Misunderstood by Johnny Miller, and The Language of God by Francis Collins. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.